Welcome to the podcast version of 32 Bar Cut, the show. A series for performers, about performers, made by performers. Every week, we give audition advice, share personal experiences, and sit down with fellow colleagues in the performing arts to chat about their life in the industry. If you are hearing this message, you are not currently a subscriber and will only be hearing the first half of the podcast. If you would like to hear the full interview, including the Curtain Call series, you'll want to head over to 32barcup.com, where you can find a link to our Patreon page. There you will have exclusive access to the entire video and private RSS podcast feed, as well as other subscriber-only content. Thanks for listening. Without further ado, on to the show. She saved Matilda and then she made a swoon in Paris. But today she is sitting down with us to chat about her life as a performer. Welcome to the show, Jill Pace. Hi. Hi. <laughs> we have a bit of a false start there, but we are here now. We got it. And you look beautiful doing it. So it's all good. <laughs> How are you doing? That's always the first question I ask everybody because it's such a strange time. So how are you today? Today, I am good. I spent the day exploring a nature preserve with my son and, and a couple of friends. And then we ate outside on a farm. Like today, we we did right. So I am good today. That is a good day because the sun was out, but it was like a nice crisp weather, like not too hot, which is lovely sometimes, you know? Yeah, I think, you know, every winter is <clears throat> unique, but this one was particularly rough and I don't think we realized like we just had our heads down and we're like just getting through it um so finally being able to get outside has made such a difference it's so wonderful I felt it too I was talking to my mom yesterday I was like you know ma like for the last six weeks I have felt really kind of outside of myself not really feeling grounded or motivated or happy in general and yesterday I was like on the sidewalk and I was letting the sun hit me for a little bit. I was like, ooh, I feel good today. Like, what's Absol this? Absolutely. Like, I think two days ago, it was like 70 degrees. And I was like, I'm going to plant a garden that will feed 100 people. <laughs> I'm going to clean my whole house. Like, suddenly you're just motivated to do stuff. But I don't think you, we realize it, you know, in January and February that we're feeling as maybe sad or as bad as we are. And this one in particular. So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Fully, <laughs> thoroughly right there with you. <laughs> so Jill and I, we met in 2018? 2018 in a workshop. And I was so struck by your voice when you did th those beautiful high notes. It just sounded, you just sounded like you were in a boy choir. I hope that you take that as a compliment because I mean it as a compliment, but you have such a like beautiful, clear, tone it's amazing thank you that's very nice of you i <clears throat> i didn't get that job though when that job moved forward oh i didn't either oh isn't that the joy of doing these workshops actually that workshop was one of the, my favorite things i've ever worked on because it really was just so we were working on the the new android weber like bio musical mm -hmm. so it just was sort of a combination of 
using all of his songs to try to actually piece together his life story. And, and so like the little boy in P.A. Yezu was sort of supposed to be him and, you know, him and his relationship to the church. Um, but we were working with John Doyle. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. yeah. And so we were just like crawling around on the floor and we were pretending to be cats <laughs> and we were just got to like be really weird, which is so rare in theater now because it's so expensive to put on shows and it's expensive to develop them that people don't want to take the time and the money to invest in that sort of like um, avant-garde, like let's figure out what this is. So I haven't in my career, even though I've worked on a lot of new things, I've not had that experience where you just really get to be raw with it. Um, It wasn't about necessarily getting a final product up and running for anybody. It just was really to see like, what's here? What can we play with? So I just loved everybody in that cast. It was a small, small group, but we all sort of played older and younger versions of one person. So it was, oh, I just, I loved it. And yeah, then when the show moved forward and it became probably far more commercial than anything we had been working on. Uh, I auditioned, I think I was like 17 months pregnant and I (laughs) did not get that job. And I was like, I feel like I said this in rehearsal one day, (laughs) I think, because I had to like jump up on the back of the piano like a cat. And I was like, well, when they do this at Paper Mill and someone far younger is doing this, it'll be much better. And then someone (laughs) far younger like did my job. So oh, I was, no. it's my fault. I put it out there, right? That I wasn't going to be a part of it. Oh, it's all fine. It's all fine. But no, it happens. I loved working on that. And I loved working on that with you. I loved working on it with you too. And I feel like we bonded over just the whole the whole experience. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I remember one day I tried to be complainy pants and you looked at me and you're like, I would love to participate in this conversation with you, but I'm trying to be a more positive person. And I was like, okay, I will also try to be a more positive person. I can't believe I said that. You don't remember that? I'll never no. forget it. I remember where we were sitting and you were eating like your hail and hearty soup. Like I remember it, but I was inspired. I was like, you know what? You know what tanks the creative process when someone starts being complainy pants and that's me. So like, I'm I'm gonna be like Adrian and I'm gonna be positive. And then I think on the last day you were like, okay, I need to say some things. Oh, I, like, I remember okay. that moment. I <laughs> I think it's because uh this is not the first time I've heard that I do this, that I just say random things and people are like, I'll never forget when you said this. And I'm like, I said that? What? <laughs> you know, because it sounds wild. Um, but I guess I was feeling that way and I just uh have no filter. Um, this is why I decided to have a show where I talk with people and it's unscripted. <laughs> this is great for me. <laughs> um, oh, oh man. So we did that great experience, but I really didn't get a chance to know much about you or your background or how you even got into theater. Mm-hmm. Like I did a little Googling, of course, for today so I could you know, <laughs> learn about you, but now we have to like share it with the world. So did you always want to do theater? Were you a classical voice student? What was your past? Um, So I was dragged to my first audition when I was in the third grade. And it was just for the high school production of Oklahoma. They needed like towns kids, right? 
but we all know the more people who are in your show in high school, the more parents will buy tickets. Like it just was to get more people involved. And we had just moved to Ohio from Greece. So my dad was in the Air Force. So we were living overseas and we had moved back to the States. And I was nine years old and really struggling because culture shock from living on, on this tiny island uh, to moving to Ohio. <laughs> so I can't imagine. Yeah. I was really struggling to make friends and everybody thought I was weird and a communist. And like, it just was a very odd time. It was the eighties. Come on. Um, and so my mom thought that if I could get into the musical, it'd be a good, good way to like meet people and, and to just do something fun. So it's her fault that I <laughs> got bit by the bug. Um, but again, so naive it took me until I was like 16 years old to realize you know all these shows that would come through Dayton Ohio where I grew up so we saw all the tours my parents were great they loved to we'd go you know every Sunday to see whatever was coming through I didn't know people got paid to to be up there (laughs) I just thought it was like a fun group of people who wanted to like have a good time and were putting on a show like I did in my living room just on a like bigger scale so I had no idea until I was like 16 years old that it was even a profession. I mm-hmm. just clueless. Um, luckily, we had great arts exposure in Dayton and great programs and professionals coming through who said, you know, you might want to think about doing this. And so that's when I decided to look more into it. And I went uh, and auditioned at Baldwin-Wallace uh, Conservatory. Mm-hmm. My parents did not want me to go into musical theater. Like they did not want me to become an actor. My mom wanted me to be a pharmacist. Um, I hate math. I hate science. But like that was her dream for me. Um, so there was, you know, a lot of back and forth about it. But it finally just became clear, like, I have to try this. And if you're not going to let me go to school for it, then I'm just going to move to New York. And that scared them so much so that they were like, no, no, please go get an education. So off to BW I went. And that's kind of how it all started. Wow. Was that boring? No. That seems like it might have been a boring story. Anyway. No. <laughs> I don't think you're boring at all. <laughs> oh, my God. I hope I wasn't making the, that was such a boring story face. Because no. I didn't, I wasn't. <laughs> you weren't making that face. I'm just like, him rattling on like about about (laughs) no but it's interesting because i'll like like full disclosure i didn't really understand what it meant to be on broadway i didn't understand that theaters were on the same street any of that because i didn't have the exposure right i didn't have i didn't have any of that in my life it just heard the phrase on broadway or you know i thought it was a caliber of shows and in a way it is but i thought it was you know like a this, you know, like uh, sports or something, how they have divisions. I thought it was like that. I didn't really understand it until later. Right. And I think for me, like kids today now, right? Like you can find bootlegs and YouTube has, you can watch the same clips over and over. But for me in Ohio, besides the shows we would go and see, what I knew of like that was going on in New York was that there was Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Yeah. And the Tony Awards. Yeah. So like I wore out the VHS tape that we had taped the year of Peter Pan. And I think Kristen Chenoweth was on singing um, from You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. Like 
I watched those performances over and over um, because that was all there was. Now there's like just an endless amount of information out there. You can probably find any show that you want to see. But for us growing up at a different time, it <laughs> yes. was just your exposure to it was, was limited. And so in some ways I'm like, how could I not know that people were making, that this was a thing? And on the other hand, you're like, well, why would you? Yeah. I, I imagine there's a world in which you don't, because it seems like play, that why would people get paid for this? Exactly. I just thought it was, they love it so much that they just want to do it. Because, and and I can see why I got that idea, right? Because I was, you know, I did the high school musical and then I loved it so much that the next year I did the high school musical and maybe like a summer show. And then the next year I did the high school musical and two summers, you know, I just kept adding and it was a lot of community theater in the summer. So it was just people who wanted to get together and have a good time. And I just, you know, thought the shows that came through Dayton, Ohio, it was the same thing. I don't think I understood that then they went to Tallahassee the next night. You know, I don't think it just, I don't know what I thought, but I had no idea for a long time. I'm sort of shocked sometimes when I think like how I've ended up here knowing as little as I did. Hey, I, I'm right there with you. I, I feel like I just like opened a, I was walking down a hall and I was like, oh, is this the room I'm supposed to be in? And then I was like, oh, I think I'll stay for a while there. <laughs> you know, this is working right. out, but and not but where think, I was headed. Do you think like, it's so hard when you're older to look back and cause like, I'm like, I would never move to New York now. I would never try this, but is that because I'm older and I know like a lot of stuff now? I think it's such a young person's profession, especially, you know, to make the move here and to sort of you have to have this faith in yourself that comes from really deep inside you that you really want to do it. And I feel like it's sometimes really hard to hold on to that as you get older and the more you know. Um, but I wonder if I was 20 today and had the exposure to, you know, if I was a smarter 20 year old than when I was 20, would I still make the move? I no idea but how do you do you think you would I, I think I would have uh I would have gone to New York sooner oh I was terrified yeah. to go I thought this is bigger than I can understand mm -hmm. I don't have my equity card I I need to wait I need to wait and if I had known more and was more self-assured when I got my first or second job in Chicago. I just would have said, okay, I understand enough. Let's go. Let's mm -hmm. try it out. Because I was fresh and my voice was fresh and my body was fresh. And the, like the things that <laughs> I'm being asked to do now, I'm like, ah, ah, how old do you think I am? <laughs> you know? know? So I feel, I feel like I would have done it sooner and then maybe now, I'd be doing something else or exploring something else, but I feel like, and I don't want to feel like this anymore, but I have felt that I have been playing catch up for a long mm. time and I, I don't enjoy that. And mm. I don't have to do that. I'm, I, it's by whose scale, by whose measure, you know? So yeah, I would have gone sooner and I probably would have taken a dance class or two in high school, <laughs> you know, like, oh my God. I know, I know, especially when you see now what kids come in you know, as they arrive fresh in New York, I'll often go and see my college's showcase every year when, you know, there's not a pandemic and I'm always in awe and I'm like, I wouldn't get into that program now. Like it's so sophisticated. Mm. And when I was doing it, we were piecing it together and, you know, it was by, you know, 
I don't know. It just, things have really changed that I don't know if I would have had the guts to keep up the mm-hmm. way that I did when I was 20, but it was, you know, a slightly different game. Yeah, definitely. And I think the acts, like like you were talking about how everything's on YouTube and everything's so much more accessible, mm-hmm. um, that if you don't have all the tools, but you have the drive, you can find it on the internet. Absolutely, right. You can piece it together. You can piece together a whole education. And now, you know, there's a lot of companies, I'm working for them, that will allow you to coach with with Broadway people remotely, right? Like now you have, even because of the pandemic, Huge. Your, your, your reach goes even further now. Um, it's incredible. So like, I, it's just kids are getting a totally different education, a totally different experience. And I just feel like they're so much more aware. I'm working with a group of, of young women right now who are all still in high school. But when I ask them their plans, they're all like, well, I do want to study musical theater. I do want to study theater, but I also want to major in da da da. Like they have a backup plan, a backup plan. I'm still trying to piece together a backup plan. And Lord knows I need a backup plan now, <laughs> right? Like they're just so savvy in a way that I was just very innocent. You're not alone. You're not alone. <laughs> it must be generational in that it's yeah. just, oh, okay, well, this is what it's like now. Got it. <laughs> I know. Well, I think I'm older than you, but, you know, not having the internet at all, you know, yeah. in high school, up up through high school, I would say, not really having the internet makes difference. Huge difference. So when you first got to New York, you got on the scene, what was that like? What was the audition like, the audition experience like for you during that time? I, I so luckily because my college had come and done a showcase, I had an agent. Nice. Who I still have today. I'm still with him. He's my now my manager. Um, but we've been together my entire career. So he, you know, was getting me auditions and I think I booked a summer production of Oklahoma. I was supposed to go up to like Vermont to play Glory in Oklahoma. But I was also incredibly lonely. And this is like my parents, this is back again, dating myself, but this is back when cell phone minutes at 9 p.m. switched over to free. Otherwise you had a certain, you would buy a plan that had a certain number of minutes to get you through the day. I would only use those minutes to call my service number to see if there was a message about, you know, a show or anything. Other than that, I would always wait till 9 p.m. And my parents say like 901 every night the phone would ring and I was like, I hate New York. I hate it here. I'm so lonely. And it's hard. It's hard getting started. Um, but I booked that Oklahoma and it was like, okay, great. I'm going to go make whatever, $200 a week. I, this is, this is acting. This is, I'm going to be an actor. Uh, and then I got an audition for Mamma Mia, but they weren't saying where. They weren't saying like Broadway or tour. They just were saying Mamma Mia, end of sentence. And I went in, I hadn't even seen the show, but I, it's about a girl who's raised on a Greek island. And I was like, oh, it's meant to be me. <laughs> and I booked it. And they told me later that it wasn't going to start until December. This was the summer I had moved to New York. So um, it wasn't going to start till December and it was going to be in Las Vegas. We were going to open the Las Vegas company. And I was like, amazing. I'm going to go to Lorian, Oklahoma, and then I'm going to sit around and then I'm going to go to Las Vegas in December. And the next day I got a call that actually I had booked the tour of Les Mis and I was going to, 
they were allowing me to come out just for three and a half months and to go out on the road and get a national tour under my belt and then leave and go do Mamma Mia. And I was such a snotty, snotty little actress that when I went and saw Mamma Mia and I was like, I would rather be in the ensemble of Les Miserables for the rest of my life than be in Mamma Mia. (laughs) Mamma Mia ended up being a fantastic experience. It was so much fun and it was so good for me to stop being like a serious snotty actress. Like, right, like it just was like, have fun with this, be in theater. be silly and fun. Anyway, so I did go out on the road for three and a half months and I left and I did Mamma Mia. And that is definitely what escalated my sort of uh, ascent. I would, I'm in a total descent now, but at the time in my early 20s, that was sort of how it all accelerated because from there, um, a casting director who does Mamma Mia in London, but was also doing other projects in London, saw that Mamma Mia production. And when I left, he brought me in then to audition for Woman in White, which was Andrew Lloyd Webber's show. Yes. It was premiering in London. And that's then how I got to like jump the pond and start a whole career over there for a little while. But, uh, but, but, so that's <laughs> like how, how my professional career, I think I always put those three experiences of Les Mis, Mamma Mia and Woman in White sort of they're so interlaced whereas you know other projects come and go and they end and then you you pound the pavement for a while and then you starting it's just like you're starting over sometimes you know uh those three just very quickly seem to fall in place that is incredible like this how it just went bop 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 you know and it and you were in your 20s figuring it out did mm-hmm. when you first got to New York did you have to do any like survival jobs or anything or did you f- I signed up with a, a temp agency this makes me sound so arrogant but I worked one day and while I was at that job I got the call back from Mama Mia so I had to call the temp agency and say, I can't come back. I was, I was like answering phones at Glamour magazine or some, something like that. And I was like, I can't come back tomorrow. And so I lost that temp job. But then that day was, the next day was my callback and I ended up getting it, you know? So I, it's awful to say, but I worked one day. I now have more survival jobs than I ever did in my early twenties. But look, it just lined up for me, right? I looked young. I sounded young. I played, like I understood the ingenue spirit. I still was in touch with it. Mm -hmm. And so there were things about it that were just going to line up for me in that moment. I have had plenty of times now where it's been a drought and it's hard, but that beginning, whether it did me a disservice, I don't know, perhaps because, you know, to have so much success early on and then be like, why is no one paying me to exist anymore? Who knows? Um, But at least in the beginning, I, I just got lucky, man, walking in the door at the right time. Yes, you have all the training and the commitment and the drive, but there's a piece that you have no control over and that's who's in the room and what they see. Absolutely. I was doing a a Q&A earlier today and they asked me if I felt like I was lucky. And I thought, do I feel like I've been lucky? I guess, yeah, I do feel like I've been lucky. And then she uh, uh, made reference to an Oprah quote, which now I'm going to butcher, but it was about- um, (laughs) But you're gonna do it with a fabulous twist of the hand. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> she said that uh, luck is opportunity meeting preparedness or something like that. I think I've heard that. And it so sounds it, like what you were describing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a piece of it. Um, that I don't know. Are the most talented people out there unemployed because they just haven't walked in the door at the right time? I don't know. It's just, it's like a, it's just a piece of the puzzle that for some people needs to be there. And I, I managed to wedge it in in that moment. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and so did woman in white, take you to Broadway for your debut. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. I, I was, I feel terrible. I hate talking about myself. <laughs> I, in between Mamma Mia and learning about Woman in White, I had auditioned for Woman in White in the States and I auditioned for Fiddler on the Roof, which Looking back on it now, of course, I should not be in Fiddler on the Roof, but this was a different time, right? This was like 2004. This is the the Alfred Molina revival. So it just they weren't as sensitive about who was going to be in the show, but I was cast as Hoddle. So my debut was supposed to be in Fiddler on the Roof. Oh, okay. Uh, and it, I think woman in white or you know really useful group found out about it and flew me over to london very quickly to sing in person for trevor nunn and for andrew i had sung for andrew in the states um i think i probably told you this that when i sang for him i was so nervous i had to sit on the floor i couldn't stand <laughs> i sat on the floor which kind of worked for the song but oh my god <laughs> my knees were shaking so badly that i just sat on the floor and sang for him. Um, so they very quickly flew me over to London. I got sick on the plane ride over. And so I arrived with like very little voice and I was so tired and jet lagged, but they, you know, picked me up from the airport and drove me right, right to the audition or something like that. Whoa. And it went terribly. I was dehydrated. Um, and I was so disappointed in myself and just how it, you know, I thought everything in my career had led me up to this moment and now I had flubbed it and it, it was, it re I couldn't recover, like whatever. So I called my um, mom, I always tell this from, from one of those red, very picturesque London phone booths, which actually when you go inside smell like pee and are covered <laughs> with like porno stickers and it's awful and you're like it's so dirty in here and it's like mom I, went, I had like a calling card like it was horrible and I messed up and she's like well you you still have Broadway and I was like I know but I want this now it was so greedy right um but because I had been flown over to London I wanted to take advantage of being there and so I was like well I'm never coming back so I put myself on one of those tour buses to like see the city it was a double-decker bus it started raining so I went down to the lower level it was leaking so I sat in the lower level of a double-decker bus with an umbrella open a microphone went out because it got all wet so I just was like riding around sitting in traffic on a foggy leaky double-decker bus like, <laughs> so sad mm. that I was never going to see London by the time I got back to my hotel room there was like a note on the board to call the manager could she stay another day I went back in we auditioned you know I did a work session it went much better I was feeling more rested and less ill um and then by the time I got back to my room 
again, my man, agent called and said, you're not going to be on Broadway. And I was like, what? Because you're going to be on the West End. And I was like, what? <laughs> so it was like, oh God, this career, right? This, this job is such a roller coaster of yes and no, and yes and no. And it really did feel like such a tug of war. And the thing was in that moment, they were all wonderful choices. Like anything would have been amazing. And the fact that I got to actually choose was was so wonderful and it's such a gift um so yeah that's and and then woman in white came back to new york um it was a very quick transfer i think i ended my contract it was still running but ended my contract in august of 2004 and maybe by the spring or something like that we were in rehearsals for for broadway for woman in white and then it didn't do very well it didn't run like it did in London. Uh, it's a very dark story. And I think we had sort of moved on as a country. We were sort of ready for a thoroughly modern Millie, which I think came into the theater after, you know, we were sort of ready for, for lighter, brighter affair. I, uh, I, I hadn't heard of it until we did our workshop a few mm -hmm. years ago. So before this, I was like, well, let me read this synopsis. And I get, I totally get the darkness, but it's uh it's a really cool twist and turn and you know and it's, plotting and everything it's kind of cool you know it was and the way they released it so it was written by wilkie collins who was a contemporary of charles dickens and it was released in chapters in a magazine like oh. so back gosh i don't even know what i think i read eight eighteen ninety. Yeah. Um, yeah like around the turn of the century yeah um, but it was just such a twisty, turning mystery that Parliament closed the day the final chapter came out because everybody just wanted to go and read it, right? Like, it was a huge deal um, when it was published. And, you know, the musical took some some licenses and, and filled in some of the question marks, I think. Um, so it was very on the nose, perhaps. Uh, there were still some twists and turns. But yeah, it was... It was dark and we were using this <clears throat> at the time very experimental scenery which now everybody uses it was all projections ah. um, which now every show uses projections mm -hmm. but because we were kind of only using projections and they would break all the time and you just have like windows xp up on the screen behind you <laughs> and this like edwardian tail we were first by the time we came to oh man that's such a roller coaster what was it like working? Uh, I know I, I, I hear you when you say you were so nervous you were sitting on the floor, but did that get better? Was it a little easier to sing yeah. in front of Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber? It did because he, you know, despite all appearances, is actually very chill. He's, he's, he's just as nervous about it as you are, if mm. that makes sense. Like, he also wants to be accepted and lauded um so it it was fine i probably like the first day i walked into rehearsal i was there like of course 20 minutes early because i'm always early and the only other person there was michael crawford and i was like oh my god I want my life this is so cool and he's like oh we're early together i like you and i was like oh my god like, oh, you know, it's just <laughs> whatever it, it's it's crazy, um, but you get a little more used to it. Um, but that was such a such a big deal. I still kind of can't believe that it happened. And it, at this point, it almost feels like a different 
life, I have to say, for sure. Yeah, I've had moments like that, even just with it being like this year off of thinking, you know, I'll watch something on TV and it'll be a crowded scene. And I'm like, oh my God, they're so close. I know. Each other. <laughs> you can't help it. You're like, wear your masks. Like, oh, oh yeah. No, don't touch so that, important. you know. I I feel the same way. I, I've like recast everything as, and even, it happens when you have a, a child too. You're like, wait, was my child alive? That Like, what? Ha- when was that? And now it's like, we'll be wearing masks. Were we not wearing, you know, it's such a, weird year those ben- <laughs> those benchmarks you know yeah. i'm sure you thought that way too when you got married like was i pre-married yeah you know post-married yeah speaking of life in another time i was a huge Roald doll fan as a kid like read all of his books um read his autobiographies boy and going solo like legit loved Roald doll so um you played miss honey in Matilda, what was that experience like? It's such so a fun in- show. It was so intimidating because I I was the first person to come to replace. I replaced Lauren Ward, who had been the original Miss Honey in both London and she came over with the show. She did six months in New York. Um, so like joining this company of the most like amazing children actors was like I was so intimidated. They were like 11 and 12 years old, but I was shaking in my boots that I wasn't going to like be good enough for them. Like, not that they were judging me necessarily, but that like, can I support what they're doing? Because they are so phenomenal. And they've had this amazing actress, Lauren Ward, holding their hands through all of it. And now it's me and I'm the new person and, and it's not originally my goals. I was really intimidated, but um couldn't have been a lovelier experience just such a great group of people the adults the children the creative team it it was wonderful it was it's so funny because I my parents were visiting when the show started preview so we were at the very first preview in the audience like and my my now husband was there as well and I watched the show and I just I was blown away by it I did not see myself in the show like you know how sometimes we watch things and we're like oh I think I could do that but I did not see myself in that show and then you know suddenly here I was in that show it was it was wild um I could totally see you as Miss Honey though and it makes sense yeah. to me now like like of course I'm I'm not confident and I'm oh no not like that no, I know you're not saying that but <laughs> like I feel so many of the things that she is. Like, why wouldn't I have seen myself? It's just Lauren was so amazing, this amazing vocalist. And I just didn't think it was something I, I would ever live up to or even have, you know, be seen as that. So that was such a surprise. It was, oh, it was so much fun. Though I remember auditioning for it was so much fun and then, and then getting to, to do it. It always feels good when an audition is fun, right? Because then you can leave yeah. it there. And you might long for it. You're like, oh, that was fun. I think this would be a fun project. But you can also leave the experience there knowing that this was enjoyable. I I don't know, at least for me, when I have a fun audition, it feels way, I mean, mean, obviously so much better than it would if it just is like meh and I can't tell either way. Like if I bomb, I'm very clear on where I stand. But (laughs) I I have bombed, I have absolutely (laughs) bombed bombed uh but i i think yeah when you 
because usually when it's fun, it usually means there's been some exchange of creative ideas back and forth between you and the table. Like, and when I say the table, I mean the director or the music, you know, there's some conversation there or they see something and you're like, great, let's play. Like, throw me the ball. Let's do it. And so, yeah, you can always leave feeling like I was an actor today, right? Like I played at something uh, and I feel successful. Whereas when it's met, it usually just means it's sort of in and out and like no matter how prepared you are if you don't get the chance to play it, it always feels a bit dreadful um and harder to shake i guess you know i <laughs> yes <laughs> oh i'm i think i've gotten worse at auditioning the older i've gotten um, i don't know like, i what makes you what makes you feel that way i i think i it's harder not to watch yourself from the other side of the table. And often now there's a camera in the room, which didn't used to be the case. A lot of the times now they'll film for, I don't know, producers or whoever to see it. And it's hard not to sort of watch yourself from the other side of that now. You really have to focus and like lose yourself in the room. Can be difficult. I agree. I, I um, the few that I've gone in where the camera's there, if, especially if it's material I'm not quite sold on or feel as most comfortable with, it just makes it so much harder because now I'm give, allowing my mind to take up a little more space to think about that camera yeah. instead of just these four people or 10 people in front of me. And uh, I know that they need to film it. I'm not mad at them for doing it. I just wish <laughs> that the camera could be like candid camera hidden somewhere and yeah. I don't know it's there. Yeah. You I know, and they're you. like, and and especially when the, the camcorder's on, right? And so they're like, hold on. And the, you know, and the intern's like, Toot, and it's like, uh, ring. and you're like, okay, great. Now I know that it's recording. They're awesome. <laughs> you know? You're right. You're totally right. Like it occupies a space in your mind and you start, thinking what it's looking like through the camera and then you're like no i need to focus on what's in the room with me now but you just can't help and often i find like right the camera will be here and the reader is right below them and so you're like well, i'm you're looking like, at it wonderful I'm looking at the camera <laughs> <laughs> oh it's awful. it's awful i would rather walk into an audition room that has like 20 rows of people watching you than have the camera there it's it's not for me. Totally, totally. Um, so I wanted to go into our stage door round where I ask you some questions that you might get at the stage door. Oh. Um, so are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Let me fix my bangs. Okay, I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> All right, what show would you never want to do again? And what show did you love so much you would do again for free? I would do Matilda for free. Yeah. What show do I never want to do again? It, does that have to be professional or like ever in my life? Ever in your life? It could be anything. Yeah. I I don't get Pippin. <laughs> <laughs> Which I should preface, I have not seen it in 20 in the 20 years since I did it in college. I bet I would love it now because I'm sure it's about someone wandering and trying to find purpose in life. But when I was 20, I was like, I know my purpose in life. I must be on Broadway. Let's move on. <laughs> I don't get Pippin. 
that's that great. I would not do Piffin again. <laughs> that's great. I, <laughs> okay. So um, actually in our chat, I don't really know. Did you do much regional theater? Because the next question is, do you prefer regional or Broadway? I've done a lot of regional, um, sort of in between the, you know, the bigger jobs I've gone and done regional theater. Um, gosh, they both have their, their pluses and their minuses. The great thing about regional theater is it's temper. It's much more temporary. Broadway of course is temporary, but the shorter contracts just make it more bearable sometimes if it's not as great of an experience. So like sometimes regional can be so fun. Also sad, right? Because you love, I did chess regionally and I could have done that 10 years. I loved doing that part. I loved doing that show. So I, if we're going to really boil it down, I would choose Broadway because it pays better. Yeah, that's real. Regional is is wonderful and you get to do things you might not otherwise get to do. You get to take risks and shows that people are not, that aren't as commercial, that probably aren't going to make it to Broadway. Um, so you get a lot of like cool, quick, fast opportunities to, to do things. I did a show called Sick Bastard that was written by Bruce Hornsby that we did in Norfolk, Virginia. Um, and it was weird and like, like crazy, just crazy weird. And not something that probably had a long commercial run, but like, great that I got to go and do that. So gosh, if you can do a, I pick both. That was a long answer. I, I, I get it though. I totally get it because you're artistically fulfilled mm-hmm. more so regionally. Um, for me, you know, I repl- I've, I've replaced and I've done a revival. And in both of those instances, you're really uh, just walking into someone else's vision and executing it. Whereas sometimes with regional theater, even though the show's been around, you know, they bought the rights, they're doing the show, uh, everything seems fresh and new and everyone there is excited to do it. And you get to start the process with everyone and finish the process with everyone. Mm-hmm. And that's so lovely. And you can create bonds. Yes, you can be stuck and imprisoned in a terrible uh, experience, sure. But usually the, I, I have found that it's really great. And um, I, yeah, and I think, you know, Broadway, because of the money, there's just so much pressure to get it right and get it perfect and polished. And and then the challenge of being on Broadway, if it is a successful show, is eight times a week doing it and not allowing yourself to just become a cog in the wheel, which there are a lot of things set up in a way that are going to make you feel that way. You really have to fight against it. Um the regional theater just doesn't fall into that same trap. Absolutely. All right. Are you ready for the final question? Yes. This is a silly question we ask everyone. You can feel free to plead the fifth if it's too much. But in the cast of Matilda, who would you slap? Who would you hug? And who would you take to lunch? (laughs) I... I would slap Chris Hoke, who was my first Miss Miss Trunchbull, only (laughs) because then I would hug him. (laughs) Yeah. And who would I take to lunch? Oh my gosh, there's so many wonderful people. Oh, 
I just loved everybody. It's like so hard to choose. I would probably take Oh my god i don't i can't even pick one person i would take the whole company to lunch and i'd pay <laughs> they're just so wonderful it was such a wonderful experience yeah oh, man. I, I take everyone and chris hope i would only slap his joke <laughs> usually the slaps have been jokes they've been jokes maybe one or two i think people have yeah. <laughs> adrian and i hope that you have enjoyed listening to the show thus far if you'd like to hear the full interview and get access to the curtain call, head on over to 32barcut.com, where you can find a link to our Patreon page. There you will have exclusive access to the entire video collection and private RSS podcast feed, as well as other subscriber-only content. All right, that's all I got. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time.